Hello, hello. Welcome to another episode of Financial Tides. Today, we are going to be talking about the seven questions to consider um, when thinking about retirement, going into retirement, or once you're in retirement. So I'm joined today with John Perillo, Certified Financial Planner, and we are going to be jumping right into it. So I think the first discussion point that really kind of needs to be focused on is cost of healthcare, And I think it varies a lot from person to person and from age groups and different age bands because retirement with Medicare is really one scenario. And then if you have to retire ahead of Medicare or choose to retire ahead of Medicare, you have a different scenario where you're looking at paying out of pocket for some healthcare plan as well. But I think the thing that has in common is that um, for most retirees, healthcare is gonna be one of the longest and continuing expenses or largest and continuing expenses that you're going to face, both for coverage and then towards the later years of life, the actual procedures, medications, and every uh, thing that goes into treating people in their older age. So I think it's something to consider and something to be aware of. And we're going to cover more of the spending smile scenario a little bit later in the podcast, but just really knowing what your healthcare situation is, what it might cost you, uh, at the beginning and through retirement and how Medicare affects that is really important to consider. And then I think the next one really is just uh, how much money you really need to spend in retirement. So this is back to the spending smile. I think a lot of people don't realize that, well, well we hear it often that people say, um, yeah, like I'm going to be in my go phase of retirement. I'm going to be running around. I finally, I'm in good health. I'm finally no longer working and don't have to worry about taking PTO. I'm going to go travel. I'm going to go see the world. But then at some point, I'm going to slow down. We call that the slow part uh, of life where you're setting the spending smile, which is down the bottom. You're not spending as much. You're costs are a lot lower because you're not really traveling. But I think the part that people really forget about is the part where they say, hey, end of life now, there's a lot of expenses that are associated with end of life, including that health care, home care, um, meeting assistance, moving into an assisted living facility that people don't really account for. So that's the second end of the smile. And people really forget about that part at end of life and are just really banking that at some point they're going to slow down and their expenses are going to be lower for the rest of their life, but often forget about that last part. So John, tell us a little bit about finding out ways for our clients and sure. how much they need in retirement. You know, we have a couple of ways we calculate this. You know, we, people tell us their retirement budget. Um, needs and then we figure out you know exactly what they need to have saved to get there you know they say all right i'm going to need you know x amount per month in retirement we say well then great you need to save this amount per month now on top of what you already have growing at x rate uh, to get there um, and then there's you know the other way is you tell us what you already have saved so somebody says hey i'm 65 and this is what i got and this is what i want to leave at the end and I expect to live till 90, and then we tell them what they can spend. And obviously there's adjustments we make along the way. They say, you know what, we've changed our mind, we wanna spend at a higher rate, and uh, and then you know stay home from 85 to 90. It yeah, makes... just to stop you there for a quick second, uh, a lot of the times what will happen is people will start calculating 
for or have us calculate and they'll say, I really can't work anymore. This is what I've saved so far. How much can I live off of? And we have that conversation and we tell them, okay, here's about what income you can expect through retirement. You want to be a little bit more aggressive with it. This is the absolute max that you can take. Um, and we can comfortably say you'll still have funds through the end of your life or still have a certain amount left over. And I think that that conversation a lot of the time helps frame whether retiring is such an urgent thing for a lot of the people that we talk to. And I, some people are surprised because the number's a lot bigger than what they expected. And they said, oh my God, I could have retired yesterday. That's more than I have now. And others it's, wow, I really didn't save enough throughout my life. I, I really don't want to retire because that lifestyle that I could have at that level of income isn't where I would like it to be. Exactly. Um, and then, you know, we asked a lot of questions as we plan for retirement, like, what are you going to do in retirement? Uh, what are your goals? Do you plan an active retirement with world travel? You know, we know people who are world travelers and we know people who, you know, uh, uh, a walk on the beach, you know, once a, uh, every two weeks is is the main goal of retirement. And so a lot of that is just setting those goals, figuring it out, helping people dream and then trying to meet those goals. And we try to find out ahead of time if it's a, a big travel planning uh, retirement, we try to anticipate those big trips. So the money is matched to the maturities. Uh, maturities are matched to the needs in the portfolio, the buckets approach, right? To to make sure we have uh, you know a maturity event of a CD or something two years out. So the money's not in stocks or um, volatile bonds or anything uh, the day they need the money. So um, those are some of the goals. And then we calculate in Social Security and everything else. So um, Taylor, should should someone change their investment strategy in retirement? Yeah, I think we get this question a lot leading up to retirement and the years before of, hey, um, should I change or change what my investing strategy is? And I think it really depends on what is your investment strategy. If Leading up to retirement or throughout your whole life, you've been a really conservative investor the whole time. You've been an aggressive saver and said, I'd rather save more than be aggressive with my funds. Then you might not really need to change all that much if you're planning on having a pretty conservative lifestyle for the rest of your life. But I think where it really comes into the picture is the people that have been aggressively saving with an aggressive mix of funds and they're really trying hard to put as much money into retirement and grow it as much as possible. And as they approach retirement, they forget to do the one big thing is that, hey, you're, you're going to start spending your money soon. If it's a really aggressive mix, the money that's in the beginning portion of your retirement funds, if you don't start getting some safety there, you might have to sell stocks while they're down to create that income. So I think it depends on what your actual strategy is. And currently, and then what your retirement's going to look like. I think it's really going to depend from person to person, but I think leading into retirement is really the time when you need to start considering what your investments look like and how you're going to make your investments work for you. It doesn't necessarily mean they need to be changed, but at least having a strategy in place, because most of the people, when they come to us, they're saying, hey, I want to retire, but I've never had a strategy of how to get there and how to do it and what they're looking to spend in retirement. And we have to kind of start from scratch. And at that point, it it may be a little too late. You may be at a point where you have to create income if you're going to truly retire with funds that 
have been long-term and may be down at that point because the risk level was too high and it was considered too late. So, Yeah, and, and there's a lot of false narratives out there, right? I mean, how many times over the years have we heard uh, someone say, well, I read that you should take 100 minus your age and that's how much you should have in the stock market. And then, you know, then, of course, because people are living longer, that was something that was started in the 40s. Now it's 120 minus your age or 115, or it depends on which writer you're reading. But we think all of that's false narratives because, uh, you know, a 90-year-old with rental properties, pensions, and, and Social Security, and, you know, they can be aggressive because they want to leave a big legacy and they want to stay aggressive because they're going to leave it to people who are also going to have those rental properties and, and businesses and interests Meanwhile, a 65-year-old with just a pension and Social Security and very little in assets, they may need to be more conservative than a 90-year-old. So, uh, again, we think it's a very individualized process, as Taylor just said, and uh, that's through the discussion and the planning process we have at the meetings. And, you know, the, there's no cookie-cutter approach, but I think another false narrative is you turn on any financial channel, and there's one on the TV in front of me here, and I was watching it with the volume up before, and everybody comes on and talks about accumulation. I never, ever, ever hear anybody talk about decumulation. You know, they never get on there and say, this is what you should do. They get on and say what you should buy today and what they like and what they love and X, Y, Z this and, and ABC that. But they never say, oh, by the way, if you're 70 years old and you're drawing on your portfolio and you're spending, um, make sure you have a, a decumulation bucket to protect you if you're going to buy these positions. They never okay. say. So. And you mentioned the word buckets a couple of times. And I think just to highlight what buckets really means in very simplistic terms, it's it's just saying that your investments should align with your goals. So what you're going to spend the money on, not align with your age or with some other variable that's out there. So again, aligning your investments with your goals so that your money's working for you towards your goals not just towards a random age bracket that's more cookie cutter. Yeah, shifting gears now, we're going to cover the RMD very briefly, the required minimum distribution. This is the amount, as you may have heard, or you know if you're getting one already, that you have to take out of your IRAs. The government forces that money into motion. Uh, it's good for the economy because now you're spending money and generating taxes on it. Um, and those ages are shifting now. They used to be 70 and a half. Then they went to 72, they're currently 73, and they're ratcheting up to 75 over the next decade. So um, those are, they're going to force you to do distributions. So one of the things we do, um, and, and by the way, there's a way to delay those with what's called a QLAC. I don't want to go into a QLAC right now, a longevity contract, because uh, I could do a whole podcast on that. But if you say, hey, you know what, I'm in a monster high tax bracket with giant pensions, but our kids are struggling and when they inherit the money, they're going to be in a low bracket. Then we do a QLAC and we uh, we can take 200,000 out of your RMD equation and put it into something where you don't have to take your RMD till 85. So that might, you know, if you don't make it much past 85, that's going to create a lower tax uh, expenditure on that. But we, again, call us if you are in that scenario. Um yeah, I, I think just piggybacking off of that, there's actually a lot of different tax strategies to really work through in retirement. And I think that's why financial planning is so important because taxes are 
an inevitable part of life for the most part. It's going to be really hard to avoid even after retirement. So there's a lot of strategies that we look into um, to really help our clients through some of the tax burdens that there's going to be. And I, I think really the first step that we take is really organizing first and figuring out what types of, again, these we call them buckets, but what kind of asset buckets or asset pools do you have to work with? Because qualified assets like a retirement account, 401k, IRA, are a lot different than a non-qualified account like a trust or an individual account and also different from a Roth. So kind of separating into those three categories so that you can work with those different pools of assets that you're gonna use and how you're gonna use them. And then um, basically, just to kind of summarize taxes, retirement doesn't really change it. They're, your income level, just like when you were getting taxed on the income you're making in retirement, the income that you're taking from like a 401k or a retirement plan, it's going to be taxed just like those tax brackets. If you have questions about the taxes, we also did a podcast on tax planning specifically. So you can kind of get a better idea of what some of those brackets are. But using those different pools of assets really to create and target a certain income level is based on a strategic plan that we come up with, including age and types of assets and income the different income sources that you do have. And then of course, the biggest one that we mentioned before, and you'll hear it again, is your lifestyle's goals and what you're looking to accomplish. So um, strategies that you might have um, would be including liquidating or withdrawing from a tax deferred account, like a traditional IRA or 401k, that way you can prevent the growth. So if the money is growing tax deferred, Every penny, when you take it out, you're going to have to pay income on it. So um, that's one of the ways is starting with the withdrawals from the taxable uh, account first, where it's taxes ordinary income, then shifting gears over to a taxable account where you would only pay capital gains on any of the growth. Um, so basically, capital gains tends to be lower than what your income bracket is, or always is lower than what your income bracket is. So any growth in there is going to be taxed more favorably than that in a fully taxable account as ordinary income. And then saving your Roth to last. So allowing that Roth to really grow, stack up, continue to compound, and that being completely tax-free at the end. So basically, you're going from ordinary income tax to capital gains tax, and then no tax on the growth that's going to be growing the longest. So, and Roth also doesn't have a required minimum distribution, so you'll never be forced to actually take those monies. Yeah, you know, and another thing we get with the whole Roth conversion thing is people will call us up and say, hey, I'm 73, I've got to take, uh, you know, uh, money out of an IRA, uh, and my friend referred us to you. If there are clients, they already know this because we've talked to them leading up to 73, but they call us and say, I'm 73, and I want to discuss Roth conversions with you because I don't need my RMD. You can't do that. You have to take your full RMD. You can't convert your RMD. So you can convert above it. So if your RMD is $20,000, you can convert 5,000 if you take 20 out and then convert five above that. Um, you can do the qualified charitable distributions toward the 20, which is another tax strategy um, that we can talk about. We did a whole podcast on that, I believe, but um, we'll talk about that you know, on a one-on-one -on -one basis. So leading up to 73, we try to tell people at 68, 69, 70, let's get those conversions done now while you're allowed to, 
and it'll just keep that IRA from ballooning over the next decade, you know? Um, and that's that's a, a good part of legacy planning, as, as Taylor was implying, because the next generation is now going to have that uh, giant tax-free amount. Really just back to the RMD things, the idea of converting it or the idea of distributing it early is for those who are in a low-income tax bracket at the beginning of retirement, whether it's because most of your income is in, already in a tax-advantaged account that's not going to be taxed as ordinary income, um, or another reason, whether it's not taxable disability income that you're living off of, distributing extra will make it so you're not forced to take a bigger amount when the required minimum distribution comes through. We can distribute some of it at a lower tax bracket now, especially now when tax brackets are very low and they're set to go back up in 2025 if nothing else changes. And then another strategy would be if for somebody that has basically all three pools of those assets, tax deferred, taxable, and then qualified Roth money, um, you could use kind of a blended strategy where we can really pick what tax bracket you're going to be in on an annual basis to kind of favor your tax situation as much as possible and not go over in other brackets. So um, there's also ones for legacy and gifting. John, do you want to talk about some of the ways legacies can be created in tax efficient strategies? Uh, I guess we're talking about charitable remainder trusts and charitable lead trusts. Mm hmm. Um, yeah, so those are things that the lawyer helps us draft up or helps you draft up and and then we implement the you know the strategy behind how the money's invested. And again, each of these is probably an all day uh, you know university level lecture, but um, they're just they're just ways that you can take care of that charity. You could say, all right, you know what I want? I want uh, you know my kids to get uh, income for X number of years, and I want the money to go to American Red Cross, or I want the San Diego Zoo, uh, a wildlife park, safari park. Now I want the safari park to get money, uh, you know, at my death. But in the meantime, um, you know, I, I want um, you know some tax benefit now. So there's a lot of ways to structure those things, and uh, you just really have to kind of figure out your goals, your needs, who you want to take care of and when you want to take care of them uh, during your lifetime, after your lifetime, uh, what arrangement you want. And usually a good lawyer, and we know plenty of them, a good lawyer can hear all your concerns and say what you need is this type of trust. Um, and then they bounce it off you, draw a little sketch, and you say, that's what I want. And then they put the documents together and you get them notarized and you're good to go. Yeah. And speaking of which, the last question that we're going to touch on about retirement is the uh, after your debt question. And it's really, hey, if I have any assets. We've made this whole plan and we're living off the income. But what happens with my assets after I die? And it really depends on if you have a will or trust um, passing away with an effective estate plan and an effective estate executor should make things a lot easier. But Having somebody, which we see a lot, that is not in the position, and I think this is back to make sure you're updating your estate plan, because as your estate plan ages, so do the people that were in certain positions to help you out, um, and their situations may have changed. So I think having effective estate plans, which are continuously updated, and an executor who is kept in mind, or trustee who's kept in mind that what's going on in their life as you update your estate plan are huge and make sure you have that because without a will or trust in place, 
your assets are going to be decided and distributed by courts. And the court's going to have a say in it. They're going to make it all public information, public knowledge. They're going to see who comes out of the woodworks, and then they're going to decide who gets those assets. So um, definitely create that will or trust. It can save a lot of family tension and a lot of stress that's not needed and make sure your assets go where you want them to go, not where a court and a judge decide is quote unquote fair. Yep. And, and you kind of covered that everything I was going to wrap up with Taylor, but planning, planning for retirement can really feel overwhelming. And I, I think, you know, as the great advisor to advisors, Carl Richards said, drew a chart that showed, um, you know, seeking, perfect and frustration level rising the more you seek perfection we all want to try to do that with our retirement plan we want to seek perfection but it's really a marathon it's not it's not something you lay down and you know where it is and people have heard me use this before it's like a it's like a hurricane forecast you know you have to keep adjusting it you know when it's when it's two weeks out off the coast of africa you know they say it's going to hit between florida and and new jersey and then when it's two days out, we know it's going to hit between Myrtle Beach and Cape Fear, North Carolina, right? So it gets more accurate. So, you know, retirement from 65 to 70 is going to look pretty clear for us on paper. Uh, you know, the part at 80 and up will look less clear. But when we get to 75, the part at 80 is going to look really clear as well. And that's the purpose of the continuing planning process along the way. So you don't just set it and forget it at 65 because um, that doesn't work. Yeah, and that's all we have for today. So thank you for watching another episode of Financial Tides. As a reminder, feel free to share this with anyone who you guys think would benefit from it. Um, we appreciate you joining us today and until next time. Thank you. John Perillo and Taylor Perillo are financial advisors offering securities through Cetera Advisors, LLC, a registered broker-dealer, doing insurance business in California as CFGA Insurance Agency, LLC, member FINRA slash SIPC advisory services offered through Cetera Investment Advisors, LLC, a registered investment advisor. Cetera firms are under separate ownerships from any other named entity. California insurance licenses number 0F60123 and 0M90666, 6265 Greenwich Drive, Suite 251, San Diego, California 92122. The views depicted in this material are for information purposes only and are not necessarily those of Terra Advisors LLC. They should not be considered specific advice or recommendations for any individual. Neither Satera Advisors LLC nor any of its representatives may give legal or tax advice. Converting from a traditional IRA to a Roth IRA is a taxable event. The guarantee of an annuity is backed by the claims paying ability of the issuing insurance company. Charitable remainder trusts are used to develop a vehicle for donations to a favorite charity, which also allows for the reduction of income taxes through a charitable deduction and favorable tax treatment at the date of the gift by non-recognition of built-in capital gains. The use of trusts involves a complex web of tax rules and regulations you should consider the counsel of an experienced estate planning professional before implementing such strategies.